Hello, welcome. This is MLEX's weekly podcast covering the key regulatory stories of the week. My name is James Paniki, Asia-Pacific Senior Editor here at MLEX. It's great to have your company again. Now, proposed European legislation that's designed to regulate big tech is, as you would expect, continuing to resonate around the world. If enacted, this legislation is likely to significantly curb the power of Google, Facebook, Amazon and Apple. The legislation is bubbling through the arguably Byzantine EU lawmaking process at this very moment, and while broadly supported by all sides, it appears to be creating something of a rift over how rigorous it needs to be and how much inbuilt flexibility it requires. It's a sensitive issue, of course, because despite the European Commission's success in imposing hefty fines on big tech over recent years, there is nonetheless a sense that the EU regulator hasn't been able to grapple with the underlying problem of the tech giant's market power. MLEX's editor-in-chief is Lewis Crofts. He's based in Brussels and he joins me now. Okay, Lewis, uh, first up, we've talked about the Digital Markets Act many times before, but just remind us what it is and what it's expected to achieve. The Digital Markets Act was put forward in December by the European Commission as its way to tackle big tech. It basically says big tech has got its hands around the throat of certain markets and it wants to peel those fingers off the throat. And it does that by targeting what it calls digital gatekeepers, which is, frankly, Google, Amazon, Facebook and Apple, and possibly some more. And it imposes special obligations on them to open up the markets, to make the markets more contestable, to to let people in, but also to be fairer to customers, to users, particularly to businesses. And now there's a list of 18 self-executing obligations, which sounds rather macabre. Now, these have become fundamental, uh, a fundamental part of the discussion that's underway uh, at the moment as the legislation percolates through the EU lawmaking system. What is the state of play at the moment? Yeah, so we're hitting the interest, hitting an interesting point now is, as I said, um, the proposal was put forward in December and now the other parts of the EU, that's the member states and also the European Parliament, are getting their hands on the text and they're um, looking it up and down and working out the bits of it, it uh, they don't like, the bits of it they think they need to change, uh, the bits of it they think could be scrapped, improved. And so we're getting a first sense of where the main battlefields are. You know, a lot of people say, and they welcome it, they say, this is a really good, this is a really good attempt. You know, the commission is trying to do something that has never been done before. And the intent behind it, you know, the plan is good. But now we're seeing where where the problems are, you know, as 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 Mike Tyson said, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. And now <laughs> the European Parliament is swinging and the member states are swinging. And we see the main place where uh, a lot of attention is focused is on what are these obligations. There are 18 of them. They boil down to two groups. One group are the ones which uh, or all of them apply straight out the door. This is what a uh, a gatekeeper, if you are designated a gatekeeper, so if, if, if you are branded with the mark of G on your forehead by the European Commission, then you must um, ab- uh, abide by these. Half of them you have to abide by no matter what, uh, no matter how, uh, you know, every day of the week, and you, know, you don't have a word to say about it. The second half of them, which is in for the nerds out there in Article 6, requires some tweaking, requires some what's called a regulatory dialogue. So let's sit down and chat and some specification, i.e. 
Your business might be slightly different, so let's talk about how it applies to you, a social network, as opposed to you, a search engine. And it's that bit there where forces out there are having a bit of a bit of a struggle. They're trying to work out how much space that gives companies to argue that what they do is actually okay and that these handcuffs should be a little looser or maybe just on one hand. And it's a it's a bit of an existential struggle between those who think the aim of the law is to keep it the most direct, as you said, self-executing, you know, shut up, um, we're putting the handcuffs on you kind of um, prohibition. And others who think, well, hang on, let's just have a little chat before the handcuffs on. You get a choice of handcuffs, a choice of, you know, you know one or two or, or, or whatever. Hmm. All right. So, so just to summarise what you've said, the emerging fault lines here are between those who want clear legislation in place that will pack a punch, um, cannot be appealed, uh, is quite clear and those clamoring for greater levels of uh, flexibility on which side is the european commission i I assume the former right well yes Um, the european commission invented this legislation because it took too long to investigate these cases under antitrust law was taking years and it wasn't always getting the results they want and they you know, use that as proof of the fact that a dialogue, a back and forth over years where, you know, your economists and your lawyers will have your say and the investigators will have their say and then uh, it's all weighed up and, and, and finally after eight years it gets, gets decided and sent to the courts. That's too long. So the European Commission came up with this in order to find a quicker way that the, all the gatekeepers, so the, the, big, the big tech companies, know where they stand and these are the rules of the road and you have to abide by them. The problem is tech markets don't necessarily work like that. Um, There are new businesses coming all the time. The markets move fast. Uh, People can get uh, hurt faster. By that, I mean businesses can be excluded quickly or consumers can have their data taken quickly, for example. And having, you know, in the words of the European Parliament, they say things like um, we need to be more forward looking. There needs to be more flexibility. There needs to be more specification and that that is a little chink in the armor where perhaps um, some forces would like um, there to be uh, more space for a discussion more space for um, amending these these um, these obligations Mm. now those unfamiliar with how brussels works might be uh, might not realize that when the european parliament gets involved things do tend to get a little bit messy Uh, At the moment, there is a bit of a clash within the parliament about which committee should oversee this legislation. Is this a particularly significant clash or is it really just the usual parliamentary inside baseball? Uh, There's always inside baseball in the parliament. Uh, I've been in Brussels for nearly 20 years and still have no idea how it really works. Um, (laughs) But the European parliament fight is essentially the same um, dispute that we're seeing elsewhere. And that is between... Um, those who think that this is a piece of legislation that uh, har- is hard law, harmonises the single market, uh, and other people who think this is a piece of legislation which is more based on competition law, which has more space for assessments and more space for for um, uh, efficiency arguments, i.e. Um, don't you know, don't put the handcuffs on because if you leave them off, I'll actually do more, more, more good than harm. And um, this is splitting between two committees. Now, what happens is that uh, when a piece of legislation is adopted, it gets um, thrown to the European Parliament or tossed to the walls, um, as you might think. And a part, it's not all 700 odd MEPs who look at the legislation. There are different committees. There's committees for 
everything under the sun you know the cherry tree committee and the committee for chewing gum and, and the rest of it and there's uh, two committees inside the european parliament who um actually three but two main ones who want to who want to lead the work on this and one is the committee for competition law which argues that this piece of legislation is more competition lawy than anything else and there's a another uh, committee which is for the internal market which says look these should be this is just hard law as if it was the law on water companies or energy companies or telecoms companies and so this philosophical division which i, I i've been talking about between flexible competition law inspired assessments and uh, hard self-executing rules of the road um, is also playing out in which part of the european parliament gets a gets to lead the debate on this and without talking about this for too much longer but would big tech companies have an interest in which committee oversaw this legislation would they prefer one rather than another it's good it's a good question which is you know why does any of this matter um, it matters for the framing of the law for the sort of um, the lens that we ha- that, that everyone has on the law it, what's it trying to do um, it matters for that but i think it would be wrong to think that if it landed with the committee that's responsible for competition law, it will give these guys a, a, a softer ride. But the parliamentarians on this committee have been very, very outspoken for years that companies like Google should be, should be cut up. They've been um, frustrated with the European Commission for years that they're not doing enough on, um, on big tech and they're allowing mergers like Google and Fitbit. So I think you're going to get a different, a sl- maybe a slightly different frame of reference for the legislation, but I don't think it would be wrong to assume that big tech would get a better um, hearing. Now, we've talked about two parts of the legislative system in the European Union, the European Commission, which is both the executive and the regulator. We've talked about Parliament, which is the legislature. The other um, and perhaps more significant block is uh, that of the European Council, the member states, and so national governments. Now, what role are they likely to play and what kind of concerns might there be about the way in which national governments might want to approach this? Yeah, so the, the a piece of legislation goes to two places. It goes to the European Parliament, which tends to do everything very, very publicly, and you see the fault lines between political parties and so forth. It also goes to the European governments. Uh, that's usually representatives from you know, different ministries around the block, and they look at things, and that's uh, far more of a black box. There's lots of people who would like that to be more transparent, but so far they haven't really succeeded. And those um, member states have had their first first look at it. Um, most of them just sort of, you know, like dogs sniffing each other in the park, uh, just just um, uh, 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 making initial assessments without without getting up to much. But some voices in member states have started to ask for their own regulators. That would be, you know, the telecoms regulator or the competition authority in in Cyprus or in, you know, uh, Sweden or in Spain to um, play a role. Now, what they mean by that is while the European Commission might be the one wielding the stick at Facebook, Apple and Google and so forth, um, actually on the ground in these countries, the national regulators have um, a lot of experience. They apply telecoms law, for example. They know what their customers uh, are suffering. They want them to maybe field the complaints. They want them to help 
them uh, with investigations. They could then feed back to Brussels exactly what's going on, where the problems are, who are the emerging gatekeepers, which markets, you know, the the, the pizza delivery market in, in, in Sweden or something is, is being overrun by a, by a tech giant and they want to have a bigger role. Now, some EU laws actually codify that role for, for national regulators. They give them formal powers. They might even give them powers to investigate. They might even give them powers to take the decisions and issue the fines themselves. At the moment, the law is drafted that all of the power is in the European Commission's hands and none of it is at national level. And there are, we're starting to hear voices, uh, well, obviously from the member states uh, and from regulators in those states who are saying, now, look, you know, really, uh, we should give national authorities a role. These guys are closest to it. They know their markets best and you could use their help. Mm. That may well be the case. But for the commission, uh, this, uh, this idea of fragmentation is a bit of a nightmare. I mean, they're, they're determined, the commission is determined to avoid this, right? I think that's right. And, you know, not to bore you even more, but that comes right back to the philosophy of the of the regulation, which is this is about harmonising the internal market. This is about having a unified view. And that's easiest done through a single regulator at European level. If you allow it to take place at national level, you'll get you might get different different views. Um, You know, I think the European Commission is obviously best place to do it. When we think about what this law, go back to what this law is about. This law is about shackling Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple. If they're in all countries uh, and they're powerful in pretty much all countries as well, uh, there is no real sense in a group of smaller authorities, you know, taking a look at Google. Um, If you're going to do it, you do it from you do it from the from from Brussels. Lewis, finally, just taking a broader look at this, we last discussed uh, this legislation, this proposed legislation with our colleague Matthew Newman in December, I think it was. Uh, And uh, since then, obviously, things have been going through the lawmaking process of the European uh, Union. What does it tell us? What are the lessons to be learnt uh, here? What does it tell us overall about the way in which this type of legislation is being dealt with by the European institutions? I think um, it's difficult to conclude because this really is a piece of work that we've never seen before. You know, as, as Horace would say, it's sui generis. You know, it is of its own type. And so it's difficult to know what kind of um, uh, path a piece of legislation like this will take. It on the one hand you've got the competition law elements where that is it is so um it's got such a long history um in the european union and such a long history of sort of giving the european commission the final say um and this piece of legislation is an admission that that hasn't worked for certain kinds of companies and for certain kinds of sectors and therefore we need to look for a different way and surprise surprise there are lots of people in the EU who think that we should be doing things a different way. Germany's come up with an idea of tackling these big tech companies. The UK has, you know, until recently departed. There are different, lots of different ideas out there. And politically, a lot of these um, countries are facing their own fights. You know, no surprise either that you know, the GAFA don't, aren't liked very much in Germany. No surprise that places like Hungary and Poland are taking action against, um, against you know, Twitter and, and, and YouTube and so forth over the content that they carry. A lot of the national countries feel the, the, the need to respond to their people's demands that um, there is a clampdown on 
these large tech companies and therefore the European Commission has responded saying there's a risk that we might get a fragmentary approach, there's a risk that Sweden might do something different to Spain and therefore we're going to come in through this with this unifying vision of how to do it. And frankly, a unifying vision will always put some notice out of joint. Uh, that's what we'll see in the next year as, 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 the, um, as the fights play out. I think it's still remarkable that this is such a strange beast that has been born and still everyone thinks it's a really good attempt now there might be a lot of tweaking going on but a lot of people think this is a this is a good attempt by the commission to try to solve a problem which everyone is grappling with around the world lewis great talking as always let's catch up again very soon thanks james lewis crofts is mlex's editor-in-chief and he was speaking to me from brussels and lewis has analyzed the significance of the dma's passage through the european parliament and the broader impact of the bill in a punchy piece of writing, which is on our website right now, mlexmarketinsight.com. That's M-L-E-X, marketinsight.com. Just head for the News Hub tab. And our subscribers, of course, can peruse the full portfolio of reporting and analysis of the proposed law from our tech and antitrust reporters in Brussels. There's plenty there. Now, you can subscribe to MLEX Podcasts on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud and Stitcher. Where possible, please leave a review and help us spread the word. Our time is up for this week, but we'll be back in your feed next Friday morning, GMT. My name is James Paniki from MLEX's Asia-Pacific team. And on behalf of everyone here at MLEX and LexisNexis, thank you for listening. I'll see you again very soon. Bye for now. Bye.